0: Hello, and welcome back to the Gen Z podcast. Today we're talking with science fiction author A.G. Riddle, whose self-published dystopian science fiction has found millions of readers around the world. You may know him for his Atlantis books, which are now being made into a series by CBS Films. In this episode, A.G. talks about himself, his dystopian worlds, and the thought process behind them. So hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Gen Z podcast. Today we are talking with A.G. Riddle, and his real name is Gary, if I'm correct, right?
1: Uh, Jerry, yeah.
0: Jerry, okay.
1: I answer to most anything, so yeah, so whatever (laughs) you feel like.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah, Jerry would be the correct pronunciation based on the spelling. (laughs) So anyway, so so, uh, Gary is... A fairly prolific writer. He writes dystopian novels, science fiction novels. I don't know if they're all dystopian, but they seem to be based on what I've seen. He has an interesting story. So, Jerry, if you could tell me your background and how you got into writing.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, I, um, you know, I went to college in the fall of 98, and the internet was you know, really taking off then. And I started a company that was focused on doing development for startups. So we, you know, wrote code and developed applications for internet startups. And then we started a few of our own companies. And, you know, I did that for 10 years and I liked it. And, um, but what I really loved was reading. I mean, I would come home every night from work and read my Kindle and, you know, I started reading books from self-published authors and I thought, man, you know, this might be what I do next. And I mean, I felt a little burnout from the internet startup life. And this was, I guess, about 2010, 2011. And I took, uh, you know, two and a half years and wrote my first novel and, um, self-published it and it sort of took off. And, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing since.
0: Yeah, that's the dream. So, if you were working with internet startups, did you incorporate any of that experience into the fiction you were writing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, part of what I did in my business career was that we had to be able to research, you know, new niches and new markets and understand them. And it was, you know, obviously we were developing prototypes rapidly. And, you know, part of the job was just sitting in a room all day writing code and working on something, mostly alone and writing is a little like that i mean especially for techno thrillers, you're you're doing research you're doing a lot of iteration in that you know you'll write something maybe it works maybe it doesn't you throw it out and you write some more and um mm-hmm. and you're working on your own you know a lot and sort of in the dark especially with that first novel but yeah i think a lot of it transferred over but i'll say that you know writing you know what i found with my business career is that i was most excited when we were developing something new and then once the business launched and the you know, our beta product was out there i just my interest level always decayed mm-hmm. i mean and it mm-hmm. eventually went to zero and so i was ready to do the next thing but but with writing i mean once you release the book you can kind of move on to the next story which is great so
0: tell me about the more recent books you've been working on the winter world series
1: yeah. So, Winter World came out, uh, I guess, February 26th. It's a, I guess you call it a sci-fi thriller. It's about a new ice age occurring on Earth and this sort of scientific expedition to figure out why the Earth is cooling and if they can stop it. I mean, the, the projections are that the planet will become uninhabitable a matter of months. And so, they eventually, you know, they go out into space and they say, look, we know solar output is falling on Earth and we want to see if, you know, the same is true around the solar system. And they find this artifact that you know. this team of scientists go to, to investigate. And that's kind of a, a sort of plot.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I can't say I've read all of your work or I'm particularly in-depth familiar with it yet, but I did seem to notice a trend of kind of a future extinction encroaching, at least with the Atlantis gene and series and then with this series as well. So is there a reason you're attracted to that plot of an idea of like some imminent, Threat to humanity. Yeah,
1: I should probably get professional help for it. I mean, <laughs> the, the world ends in every one of my books, or you know, the, the body count is pretty high generally. I mean, it's a pandemic, mm-hmm. or it's an ice age, or it's you mm-hmm. know, it's always something. Yeah, and my, you know, I was <laughs> talking to my wife about all the you know, the, the story ideas and you know, working on for After Winter World. She just looked at me, it's just like you know, it's <laughs> always extinction. of I mean, it's like, well, that's you know, it's kind of what I'm That's how it in. goes. Yeah. Uh,
0: I don't know how much you've thought about it, but do you think that you have any sort of life experiences or thoughts that make you interested in dystopian fiction? I guess a better question is what makes you interested in dystopian
1: fiction? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's probably driven by my own fears. You know, I mean, I have a a daughter who's two years old and I really kind of wonder about the world she's going to grow up in. I mean, I think You know, I grew up in a small town in North Carolina and um, Mm -hmm. life was a lot more simple then. And I think, um, you know, the pace of life is so much faster and the world is so much more complex. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, obviously I wrote this book called Pandemic that is about Mm -hmm. a global pandemic. But
0: Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: I think there are so many risks to the human race. And I think that Mm -hmm. it seems to me sometimes that we're obsessed with the wrong things and that, um, you know, we could certainly stand to rearrange our priorities, in my view.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I definitely agree. But the threats in both of those series are natural threats, if I'm understanding correctly. Like the first one, it's a it's an extinction based on a pandemic, and then in Winter World, it's this ice age. Well, so- Winter
1: World is about an ice age that they determine. You know, there's mm-hmm. some spoilers here that is they think is a natural phenomenon, but they figure out it's oh. not.
0: Yeah, that's very clever. Yeah, I don't want you to give the plot away, but but can you tell me how that book leads into the second book in the series, The Solar War?
1: Yeah, so yeah, The Solar War will be out you know June twenty fifth, and so Winter World I'd originally written as a standalone. I was really happy with the ending. You know, I wrote you know for film like a three movie you know sort of overview for the producers, and he wrote a. um, five season sort of outline for tv Uh, these were actually better than i i mean the reason i was going to make winter world standalone is i didn't have a better idea um Mm -hmm. for book two and i mean you don't want book two to be like not as good as book one so um, right right and so then i thought you know well this is this is a little interesting and i mean book two is is about the return of the ice age but it's the in one sense the same threat manifested in a different way. And what we see is that this time humanity loses and the the solution for survival is something very different. You know, I think in book two, book one is really about this external threat and the winter coming. I think book two to me is really about the return of this, you know, ice age, but it's also about the last human survivors trying to, you know, fight amongst themselves. And it's a little like the walking Mm -hmm. dead and that, you know, the humans become as much the enemies as the the external threats. So I think it, it delves a little more into, you know, the post-apocalyptic psychology of what the world mm-hmm. is like.
0: Right. And do you feel that a book like that gave you more of an opportunity to explore the characters in your novel? Like, not to say that the other books aren't as psychological or whatever.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think to me, you know, characters are really revealed. You know, through action and through you know extreme circumstances, and mm-hmm. you know, I think in book two they're certainly tested in ways that they aren't in book one. The stakes are higher, the, and the fact that they have relationships with you know the other characters that they met in book one, I think, makes the the decisions a little tougher for them at, at right. junctures.
0: And would you say your characters are predictable?
1: Well, I like to think that they're not. I mean, I think it's in, yeah, in the eyes of uh, the reader it's really do things that I don't anticipate. You know, I write the outlines for the novels and and I write them. And, you know, as you write, things happen and you're like, man, I, I didn't see that coming. But it, it feels like the next logical or, you know, feels like the next thing that needs to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So what do you think attracts readers to your to your work? That's not a question you can know the answer to. But what do you think? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something I ask myself all the time. I mean, I get a lot of fan mail, you know, email, and the books have a lot of reviews. I mean, you know, my first book now has, you know, over 15,000 reviews. So so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of data there. And I mean, I think, I think what attracts the readers is what attracts me as the writer, which is, Mm -hmm. is usually the high concept. I mean, what's the idea here for the Atlantis yeah, I mean, it's, it's these books are, are simply about ideas and, mm-hmm. and about these big what-if scenarios. I mean, The Atlantis mm-hmm. Gene, my first book is about, you know, a genetics researcher who finds what she thinks is a cure for autism. But it's this genetic breakthrough that, that sort of opens a door into our history and how the human race came to be what it is and what, you know, what is our path on Earth. And I think that was like at that time really intriguing to me. You know, pandemic is really about this you know, question of, you know, we haven't had this really bad global pandemic in 100 years. I mean, since the Spanish flu, I mean, we've had some some more minor outbreaks, I mean, the a- a- Asian flu and this avian thing, and um, but nothing on the scale that really wiped out a ton of people.
0: Right. So, and then
1: Winter World, you know, the last ice age was only 12,000 years ago. I mean, from a geological time, so that's pretty recent. And so you know, the world is a lot, I mean, we were just a, you know, a bunch of tribes back then scattered around the world. And now we're heavily concentrated in urban areas and interconnected. And, you know, I mm-hmm. think, you know, an ice age would, uh, gosh, you know, it'd be a really, a really hard thing to deal with, with the, the way the world's structure now.
0: You said earlier, well, I don't know if it's what you said, but it's what I, what I was thinking that your books are about, ideas and they're about these sort of high concept worlds and usually I would think that a high concept world the whole point of creating this metaphorical or not even metaphorical but just sort of abstract future or present that's unlike our own would be to explore a another theme within that world that's really prominent so what are some of the ideas that your books have tried to grapple with
1: I think there's, you know, this thread that runs through everything, which is um, these characters figuring out what is inside of them and not letting the world outside change them. I mean, you know, when you
0: mm-hmm.
1: find yourself, I mean, I think it's true of everyone, you find yourself in extreme circumstances and you're tested, you know, it's, it's easy to change and to let, you know, the events in your life change you. And I think, you know, what to me is... Is interesting as finding what you know, true north is inside you. and I think that's true for these characters, and mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of these post-apocalyptic stories do it, but mm-hmm. it's a little too simplistic for me. You know, this idea of you know maintain your humanity, and which mm-hmm. I think is right, and, and certainly is important, but, but I think it's more than that. I mean, I think it's um, you know, what are your values, and what
0: mm-hmm.
1: what are you about, and what do you believe in? And I think mm-hmm. um, you know, my my feeling is that mm-hmm. I do. I am a little concerned about, you know, the decline, what I see as declining morality around the world. I mean, you know, anything <laughs> yeah. goes these days is sort of the rules of the road. And I don't, you know, I don't believe mm-hmm. in that. And I want to see characters, right. who, you know, maintain their values and say, you know, this is like the code that I believe in and I don't care if the entire world is, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. falling apart. This is, this is what Absolutely. I'm going to do. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's great. I think that's a theme, not just, you but for a lot of science fiction books and i think that's important well cool this uh podcast overall is aimed at helping young writers kind of find their way or not necessarily young writers emerging writers so what advice do you have for anyone who wants to start working in the science fiction genre
1: well i would say that the single most important thing is not to let anyone else define success for you i mean i think like these characters in a post-apocalyptic world you have to kind of figure out what is what you value, you know, and you know for one author, it might be you know seeing their book in a bookstore for another it might be selling enough copies to write full time and for another person it might be winning a you know poetry contest so it's mm-hmm. i think um and I think it's easy in the world we live in where you're inundated with social media and and constantly messages you know where people are saying. You know, I did this, and I think it's you know now I'm so happy, and this is the greatest mm-hmm. thing ever. True. You have to yeah you, know, you have to kind of step back and say well what's important to me you know what do mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. from writing and I think that's um, that's the thing I would say and the the other thing um, you know for me when I was first starting writing my criteria for success was if I thought the work was getting better and that that's what I was yeah. really after and I think early yeah. in your career that's um, that I think is a good, a good approach to take, and I think you have to invest a lot in in building up your skill set. And I think it takes a lot of self analysis. It takes a lot of reflection to say, you know, where are the areas that I can improve. I mean, for every writer, mm-hmm. for all of us, there's strengths and weaknesses. I mean, some folks are better at dialogue than others. Some folks are better at plotting. Some folks, you know, are really good at pacing. And and so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as a writer, you you know, in life, you can kind of specialize. You can say, I'm going to be a shortstop. I don't have to play outfield. I'm going to be a designated hitter. I'm going to be a pitcher. But you know, you kind of have to play the field as a writer. I mean, you've got to plot. You've got to pace it, You've got to write the dialogue. You've got to construct characters. And I think figuring out where your weaknesses are and trying to, to make those better is, is very important.
0: As far as what you like to read, do you have any books that have sort of inspired your own methods or just anything you think is really cool?
1: Yeah, well, I would say to the writers out there, there's a book called Own Writing by Stephen King that I think is really good reading, you know, personally, I I read every night and I read a lot of different genres. I mean, science fiction is what I predominantly read, but. There's an author named Blake Crouch who wrote a book called Dark Matter that I think is pretty good. And there's a guy named Will McIntosh who's written. I mean, I love his work, but it's, it's hard to pick out the best one. But I think there's one called Defenders that's about an alien invasion. It's kind of different. And then there's a book called Love Minus Eighty, which is pretty cool too. So yeah, those might be worth <laughs> checking out.
0: Cool. Uh, well, I think that's that's all the. <laughs> allotted time we have for this podcast well not that we have any limit but i like to think they're 20 minutes long about so thank you very much for listening to the gen z podcast if you feel like it please leave us a review on itunes it's very useful and uh, we hope to see you next time